before Easter, okay? Um, I've entitled it, Come and See. And so it's a beautiful passage. The Gospel of John is just very personal. Um, it talks about lives that are changed through Jesus and meeting Jesus and coming in contact with Jesus. So there's some beautiful stories about transformation um, in the book of John. You know, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night um, would be an example of that. So um, at Christmas, we celebrate God sending his son as a, as a babe, right? At Easter, we celebrate God sending his son to die on the cross for us, right? And that he was willingly and he obediently went to the cross for us. So typically, Easter is a time that your friends, your family, your neighbors are more open to maybe hearing about the gospel or maybe even coming with you to church, right? Um, maybe they're necessarily in other times of the year, but, oh, it's Easter. Yeah, I'll go with you to church. And um, it maybe it can be a time that they bring the kids to the egg hunt or the photo booth. We're going to have a photo booth. You know what a photo booth is for, right? Photo booth is so that you can get there with your family and do a, do a selfie, right? Yeah, that's what it's there for. So um, they'll have that set up. Um, so as we come back from COVID-19, the data that is coming to us is that um, as many as up to 50% of the people uh, will not be coming back. There were regular attendees will not be coming back. Isn't that just, I don't know if that gets you, but that gets me. And especially with the millennials. So the millennials, my son is probably borderline millennial. Anna, Matthew would be millennials. That crowd, about 50% of regular attendees before COVID are not going to be coming back after COVID. So COVID really had an impact upon people. I don't know why, uh, it, the isolation. Um, and so with the older generations, that percentage drops, okay? So more of them are coming back. But as we think about this and think about the passage, maybe it's not your unsaved maybe neighbor, friend, or family, but maybe it's somebody that used to be maybe in our church or maybe somebody that went to church and you just haven't seen them for a while, and they just need that phone call. They need that you stopping by their house or a text and saying, hey, we've missed you. Hey, it's time to come back, okay? And so as we're going through this message, maybe be thinking about some of those scenarios and just asking the Holy Spirit, you know, what do you want me to do with this? And uh, what are you speaking to me today? Amen? So before we begin, let's bow our heads in prayer, and then we'll be in John chapter 1. Father, we thank you for this day, dear God, and we just thank you for your word that is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And what that means, Lord, is that it is able to penetrate our hearts. It's able to uh, bring transformation into our life, and sometimes it is correction, sometimes it is grace and mercy, sometimes it is um, understanding the truth of who we are and who you are, Lord, uh, in your sight. And so, Lord God, we pray for your word to be alive in our hearts. We give you the thanks and the praise. We ask it in your name. Everybody said? Verses 35 through 39. Let's read that together. So the context here is, is the ministry of John the Baptist. So he is the one that goes before Christ. He is the one that prepares the way for Jesus, okay? Um, and so he, uh, even from birth, the Holy Spirit is in him. Um, he jumps in his mother's womb, right, when he sees Jesus. He doesn't see him, but Mary comes and visits, and he jumps in Elizabeth's womb, all right? Um, and so he is to prepare the way for Christ. He preaches for the kingdom of God is near repent, right? And so John is doing his teaching, 
And, um, and then verse 35, it says, The next day John was there again, and two of his disciples were with uh, John. So John had disciples that were with him. And when he saw Jesus passing by, John the Baptist, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Now, that might not mean a whole lot to you, but what he was saying is, hey, there is the the Messiah, the one that has come to save us from our sins. And so the Israelites, the Jewish people were looking for this Messiah. And John recognizes that Jesus is the one. He says, look, the Lamb of God. And so these two disciples take note. And when these two disciples heard him saying this, they followed Jesus and turned around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Why are you following me, right? You're creeping me out, right? No, he wasn't saying that. Um, but he says, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. So we don't know both disciples, but we know that one of the disciples' name was, what was it, Melissa? Yes, it was Andrew, wasn't it? Andrew, yes, Andy, Andrew. She still calls him Andrew, right? Yep, she calls him Andrew. Andrew and the other disciple were were moral people, and they were disciples of John the Baptist. But when John says, hey, there's the Lamb of God, the Messiah, they leave John the Baptist, and they follow Jesus, and they go and spend the afternoon with him and learning from Jesus. Now, this shows us that John the Baptist had his priorities straight. Why? Because he's sending his followers away from himself to follow Jesus, right? You know, you see in our day and age, many times we don't want to do that. But he had his priorities straight. He understood his role. His role was to decrease, and the role of Jesus was to increase. And so Andrew and the other disciple go back. They find out where Jesus is staying, and they spend the afternoon with him. And so during that afternoon, we don't know all that Jesus told them. All we know is that their lives were changed, and they were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one. And they had the time to sit down and talk with him and learn about him and learn from him. The first principle, if you want to take that note, write that down in your program or your journal, is discover Jesus for yourself. Now, I know this is pretty basic, okay? But I don't want to go over this point. Discover Jesus for yourself. Now, Andrew and the other disciple, they didn't just take John's word for it, right? What did they do? They found Jesus, they followed him, and they said, hey, can we sit down and have some one-on-one time with you? And Jesus said, sure, let's go talk. And so they discovered Jesus for themselves. They, they had dialogue with him. And they said, yeah, he really is the Messiah. We have searched it out for ourselves. And that is so important for us as adults, adolescents, as children, is that we discover Jesus ourselves. It's great. I, you know, some of you maybe grew up in a Christian home. Some of you maybe did not, okay? But whatever the case, we all have to get to that place where we discover our own faith. If you grew up in a Christian home, that's great, all right? But you have to make that faith your own faith. It's just, if it's just your parents' faith or your grandfather's faith, then it's not going to have hold any value to you. You have to know Jesus for yourself. Are you following me? All right. I need some amens there. All right. Um, 
So if you haven't encountered Jesus, you're not, and knowing that your sins are forgiven, you're not going to have that joy, that peace, the love of God in your heart. Um, there's not going to be that passion there. Now, if you're a salesperson, you can always tell the salesperson that is passionate about what they're doing, that they've used the product, right? They've used the product. They believe in the product, right? They know about it. You can tell that or if they're following a script, right? If they're just following that script and going down through the line, you can just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't need this. But you can tell that if they've used it and they believed in it, there's a difference there, right? Because there's passion. There's authentic, authenticity there. Um, and that's you're going to probably sell more product because there's that passion and excitement there. Did you know that kind of is the same way about you sharing your faith with Christ? I remember um, in Bible college taking evangelism explosion, right? Okay. It was a class, and basically you were kind of learning a script. And there was some good things that I learned in that, key scripture verses, right? I learned some of those good things. But what I didn't like about it, it was so much of a script. And I think that sharing our faith is not so much about following a script, it's about sharing our story, what Christ has done in our life. All right? Search the scriptures for yourself. That's so important because then there will be passion, there will be energy, authenticity that flows out of your relationship with Christ as you tell others about what God is doing in your life. And that is what Andrew and the other disciple did. So um, there's a story I'm going to tell here, but it's going to be in point two, I believe, here. So, yes, all right, okay. Let's go on to verse 40 and 42. It says, Andrew and Simon Peter's brother, um, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the disciples, the two. So we know that one of the disciples was Andrew. And he was a brother to Simon Peter. John um, had said, who had to follow him? Okay, verse 41. The first thing that Andrew did was find his brother, right? And it says that we have found the Messiah. We found the one. We found the Christ. And they brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and says, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter or rock, right? That's where we get that terminology, rock, Petrus. In the New Testament, we hear a lot about Peter, right? In fact, we just finished up a letter that Peter wrote, First and Second Peter he wrote. And he was very key of taking the gospel to the Jewish population. Paul focused more on the Gentiles, but he also brought a lot of Jews to the Lord. But we hear a lot about Peter. You read the book of Acts, and the first part of the first half of Acts is dedicated to the ministry of Peter. You hear a lot about Peter. How much do you hear about Andrew? Not much, do you? Isn't that interesting? Andrew is one of the disciples just like Peter, but Peter would be the one that would take a key leadership role. But it's Andrew that brought Peter to Jesus. You know what? I don't want to pop anybody's bubble here, but you may not be the next Billy Graham. But what if you were the person that brought the next Billy Graham to the Lord? Somebody did. Did you know that? Somebody brought Billy Graham to the Lord, and you don't know anything about him much, but you know about Billy Graham. You may be bringing that next person to the Lord that's going to turn our world upside down, the next evangelist, the next pastor, the next soul winner. We don't know a lot about Peter, but one of the things that Andrew did is that he brought Peter to the Lord, and they both follow Christ together. So this principle is actually called a principle. It's called the Andrew principle, all right? Um, 
You know, and over the last 30 years, there's been a lot of emphasis on church growth. And, you know, everybody wants to see a church grow, right? We want to see people come to know Christ. But sometimes it can be a little bit, it can fall more on the area of marketing. And there's nothing wrong with marketing per se, but we can lose the idea of the, about bringing our friends and our family to Christ about our personal witness, right? And in a church our size and in a community especially our size, most of us are coming from communities that are under 10,000 or less, 12,000 or less, Seward, Crete, Wilbur, Sprague, all right? We're smaller communities, Dorchester and Friend. Pers- just the one-on-one relationship is so important, isn't it? about bringing people to Christ and sharing our faith. And people are watching your life. You don't even have to tell them about Christ or, or whatever. I mean, you can and you should, but they're watching your life. They know what you believe. They can tell if you're cussing with them, you know, at the grocery store or at school, at Walmart. You know, they, they can tell. They can tell where your faith is at, right? And they'll ask questions. They're watching your life. Now, there's no doubt that these marketing techniques work. Otherwise, businesses will use them. But I can guarantee you the personal invite, you know, is so important. So Dan can put out advertisements, you know, come to Ace. But I can guarantee you he gets a lot of business from other fam- from people that attend, go to his store and say, hey, this is where you need to go and buy your stuff, right? The same is true in our own lives. If... They're looking to us. So the second point is bring your family and your friends to Jesus. This might happen through a personal visit. It might happen over the phone or a video call. It might happen in a text message, right? You can say, hey, you need to be in church today, right? Or an email. Email is kind of just kind of going out, folks. Man, email used to be the thing, right? Now it's, it's texting is the end thing. I don't know what it will be in 10 years. Um, it could be posting something on social media, just sharing um, your your story, what God has done in your life, what God did in your life at church. I, I um, That's so important. You know, one of the greatest evangelists mentioned in Scripture, did you know, never had any evangelism training. In fact, we don't even know her name. Isn't that weird? If you want to turn ahead to just a chapter 2 in your Bible, you can go to John chapter 4. We know her as the woman at the well. Jesus and the disciples went through Sychar, so it's in Samaria. It's an area that the Jewish people avoided. They went around Sychar. It's between the Dead Sea and Galilee. It's south of the Sea of Galilee. And so when they're traveling north to south in Israel, they would go around Samaria. They would take the long route so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. Samaria was a mixed people. of They had... Jewish background, but then they'd intermarried with um, the Assyrians, these Gentiles, and so they were a mixed breed. And they had that in, was reflected in their religion as well. Okay, it wasn't necessarily their fault. There was invasions that came in and all that type of stuff, and so there was this blending. But they were seen as impure. They're even seen as dogs to the Jewish people. Okay, that seems a little bit. Um, derogatory, but that's what they would call them. And so they would go around Samaria, but Jesus says, hey, we're going to go through Samaria this time. The disciples were thinking, okay, man, we're going on a road trip. I've never been this way before. So they stop at a well near Sychar. There, the disciples go in to get food, and Jesus rests by the well, and a lady comes out in the middle of the day to get water from the well, right? And usually how this scenario would have played out is she would have got her water, taken it, 
walk back into town and a word not, would not have been said. In fact, they probably wouldn't even have made eye contact with one another. Why? Because she was a lady, he was a teacher. There just wasn't that interaction. That was going against the social norms of the day, right? She was a Samaritan, he was a Jew. I mean, there was just a lot of barriers there. But all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, you know, is it okay if I get a drink of water? Could you draw me some water? So she's nice enough, she gets some water, and all of a sudden they start talking about water. And then the next thing you know, they're talking about the Messiah, right? And they're having this dialogue, and all of a sudden, there's some transformation taking place. And she is so touched through that conversation that she grabs, I don't know if she grabbed her water, I don't know if it tells me, I don't know. But she runs back into town, what does she do? She begins to tell all her friends and family, hey, I've, I found the one, I found the one, the Messiah. He told me everything I ever did. All the bad stuff, right? Because Jesus knew that she had been married four or five times and the man that she was with wasn't her husband. See, we wouldn't even, she wouldn't be a member in our church, would she? She wouldn't qualify. I'm, I'm just saying, folks. And she had no evangelism training. But she went back to her town and says, come out and see the person that knew all about my life. He's the Messiah. And so all, the town of Sychar comes out, and it says that many of the Samaritan people from that town believed that day. Isn't that credible? So if a woman at the well, then we don't even know her name, who had no evangelism training, who wouldn't be a member in most of our churches, was able to bring a whole bunch of people to Christ. Do you think you could do that? I think there's hope for me. I think there's hope for you, folks. Um, I think sometimes we make sharing our faith a lot more difficult than it needs to be. It's about sharing what Christ has done in my life. But see, that's so important that I discover Christ for myself, that if Christ has done in some of my life, if he hasn't forgiven me of my sins, and I don't know what that means, if I haven't experienced his peace, his love, his joy in my life, then I don't really have anything to share. So that first point is so important because I have to know that for myself. Once I know Jesus then it becomes easy, it becomes natural to share him with friends and family. Amen? All right, you guys are doing good. All right. Verses 43 through 50. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. So all these guys are from kind of from Bethsaida, which is kind of, I believe, on the south, I would call it the southwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Most of them are fishermen. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So Philip would become one of the disciples like Andrew and Peter. And he was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip then found who? Who? Nathaniel. And Nathaniel told him, we have, he told him, we have found the, the one that Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Everybody say Nazareth. Right? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel said. Nazareth. And Philip says what? Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Pilate called you. Before Philip called you. I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. Right? I'm jumping already to Easter. All right. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. 
Jesus said, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. You will see even greater things than that. Then he added, truly, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So he would be at the ascension of, uh, of Jesus that we see at the end of the Gospels. So like Andrew, Philip finds Nathaniel. But Nathaniel is, is he he's saying, yeah, I, I, I believe you. He's kind of like, he's skeptical, isn't he? He's skeptical. He goes, nothing's good is going to come out of Nazareth. You guys got it wrong. We all know the Messiah is going to come out of Jerusalem, right? Bethlehem. It's not going to come out of Nazareth. And so he's skeptical. But then he, he's convinced because Jesus tells him where he had been, that he saw him under the fig tree. You know, when you tell people, friends, family, neighbors about Christ, don't be surprised if you're going to get some pushback. You know what? Some people may be even skeptical. You even tell them, you know, hey, this is what God did in my life. And they said, I don't know. Right? They're Nathaniel. But you know what? God cares about Nathaniels. He cares about people that have questions or, or maybe they have hesitations. Maybe they had a bad experience. God cares about the Nathaniels. And he's not afraid of their questions. He's not even afraid of their doubts. He wants to meet with them. And to know them. He died on the cross for them just as much he died on the cross for you. And so the third principle there is don't be afraid to invite the skeptic. And maybe you have people in your life that are just skeptical. That's okay. You know, sometimes those skeptical people really become solid people for Christ because they ask questions and they really seek it out for themselves. Amy's dad was very much like that. He, he was raised in the Catholic Church. He, he was going to become a priest, and then he had questions, and so he left and, and kind of just spent many years just kind of searching, kind of agnostic, didn't hate God, but didn't really know if there was God. And then through discovery on his own self, the kids, mom and kids went to church, and he would study in the Scriptures until he came to the place that he knew that Christ was real. And so sometimes those Nathaniels become very strong people of the faith because they've studied things out for themselves and they know what they believe, all right? They just don't take things at face value. So don't be afraid to invite the skeptic, all right? Partner with Jesus to bring people to that saving relationship with Christ. You know what? You can bring them to church, but you know what? Some of the most beautiful moments I have is praying with people in our living room to know Christ. And maybe it will be at the store. It could be at the local business. It could be at school that you begin to share your faith. And sometimes the best moment right there is you can pray with them to invite Christ into your life. And if you don't know what to say, just copy me what I do on Sundays, right? Right? But it, don't make it more complicated than it is. Admit your sin. Invite Christ into your life. Make Him the Lord and Savior, right? And let that process to begin. It's not all about you. It's about Christ. But we partner with Him. You can't save anybody. Did you know that? You cannot save anybody. Only He can. But we can be part of the process of bringing people to Christ. Just like the woman at the well, you know, we can bring people to Christ. We all have friends. We have family. We have neighbors across the street that probably aren't going anywhere on Easter and they maybe don't know about Christ. Um, and especially in this age of COVID, people have kind of pulled back. 
but we need to get out there. We need to be salt and light in our world. Amen? This Easter, like last Easter, we're partnering with you. So, um, yeah, we're going to be putting information out there on Facebook and, and, and things like that. But what's really going to make a difference is that we want to partner with God and with you to bring people to Christ. And so it can be Palm Sunday. It can be Easter. Sometimes people travel away for Easter, so maybe Easter isn't the best Sunday. So maybe it's the Sunday after Easter. I don't know. But let's bring people to Christ, all right? And you don't always have to bring them to church, but if you bring them, I'm going to do my best to preach and share Christ. Amen? Amen. And on Easter, we're going to try and have a message that is going to maybe try to answer some questions that maybe maybe a skeptic would have or maybe somebody's searching. But, you know, what, what's so big about the resurrection? So we'll talk about that. How does that impact just the normal person in their life? Be an Andrew. Be a Philip. Invite others to come and see. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to have the musicians come this morning. How many, I'm just going to take a, as they come, how many find sharing your faith a little bit difficult? Raise your hand. Yeah. See, and I see some of you that have walked with the Lord a long time. And, and so why I had you do that is to realize that even people that are extroverts sometimes find it hard to share your faith. And I, I'm not an extrovert. I'm a little more introverted. Okay. I, I do well with one-on-one relationships. Okay, The bigger crowd. I mean, I remember the first time preaching in, in preaching class at college. I mean, I, oh, man, I was sweating bullets. I was so terrified. You know, I dated a girl, and the grandma said, you know what? I know, maybe Brent's called to ministry, and she laughed. She laughed, you know. I didn't marry her, right? Um. Because I was pretty shy. I was quiet. And I'm still a little bit that way. But you know what? I, I've even become a lot more comfortable sharing my faith with Christ. But for me, what worked is just sharing my story and just the one-on-one relationship, get to know people. And then sometimes there's the opportunity to pray with people or to invite them to Christ. Um, that's what works for me. You know, some of you are extroverted and some people have that gift that they're just going to Boom. They don't even know the person. They say, hey, you know, do you know Jesus is your Lord? My mom kind of is a little more like that. I don't know where that came from, but she, uh, she's a little more like that. But that's my style. That's what works for me. Find your style, what works for you, right? That's what works for me. I just believe that sharing our faith should be natural because then it's authentic, then it's real. And um, God loves people, amen? He even loves the Nathaniels. He loves your friends, your neighbors. If you don't know your neighbors, guess what? This is an awesome time to go meet your neighbors. Take a plate of cookies, invite them to Easter. All right? Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. There's a lot of us here, and some of you are saying, you know what, you're talking about come and see, but I maybe I need to rededicate my life to Christ this morning. Maybe I'm not where I need to be. I was there at one point, but I'm not where I need to be right now. And um, I'm a Nathaniel. And you hear God's Spirit talking to you today. Maybe you're watching online. You hear God's Spirit speaking today. And you have questions. And some of those questions may be, 
you haven't found the answer to like you, you would like. And so those, those questions are keeping you away. They're, they're creating doubt in your heart. And I just want you to know that God loves you today and he's reaching out to you. And maybe you need to pray that prayer with us today. God loves you and he's reaching out to you. And he has a heart of love and compassion for you. Or maybe you've never heard the gospel presented to you before. And today God's speaking to you that today is the day of salvation. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to invite everybody here. We're going to pray that prayer together and and, uh, just believe it with all of our hearts. I believe that uh, God will come in. So let's, let's pray together saying, Dear God, come into my heart, into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. And walk with, with me each day of my life. I give you the praise. Amen. And Lord, this morning, just as we stand here today, I know a lot of us raised our hands and saying, yeah, it's, it's difficult for me to share my faith at times. And Lord, I believe you've given us your Holy Spirit for that exact purpose. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. It's a power to be able to do what you've called us to do. And Lord God, uh, too many times we rest in our own power instead of trusting your anointing and your spirit upon us, Lord. And so, Lord God, I just pray that this is a time for us to grow deep and to experience your Holy Spirit in our life, Lord God, to trust you in that. There's nothing more exhilarating than leading a friend, a family member, a neighbor to Christ. It'll totally change and revolutionize our life. And so, Lord God, let your Holy Spirit come as we sang earlier here. Let it rest upon our lives. Uh, even the disciples, Peter, without the Holy Spirit, he denied Christ three times. But after he was touched with the power from on high, he became a great preacher. He was even able to stand up on, a, on Pentecost day of Pentecost in front of a hostile crowd and share Christ. It was the same man, but something had changed and you placed your spirit upon him just like you desire to place it upon us. So Lord, I pray for your spirit to rest upon your people. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. They're going to lead us in a song and would you just worship the Lord? I'm going to come over here if you want prayer this morning and uh, I'll be available and uh, just to worship the Lord together today. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness that follows us. Psalms 100 says, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And Lord God, I pray that um, as we leave this place today, you've given us a story to share. And I know there's a lot of ways that people can hear about Christ, whether it's on TV, on the radio, on, on the internet. But maybe we need to hear it from an Andrew. Maybe we need to hear it from a Philip. And maybe we are the Andrew or the Philip in somebody's life. Maybe we are the vessel that they need to hear it through. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would give us the boldness, the courage, 
Just leave in the words, Lord God, and the direction, Lord God, to be led by your Spirit. And often that voice is very still. It's very small. And it's kind of like, oh, you should give that person a call. You should text that person. And sometimes we think it's our own imagination. But often it is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so, Lord God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And to follow your direction and your voice. Go with us this day. Bless our week, Lord God. Let us be salt and light in our world. Um, Let us be an Andrew and a Philip. It says, come and see. Come and meet the Christ. Come and meet the Messiah. Come meet the one that has changed and transformed my life. And so we give you the thanks and we give you the praise. We ask it in your name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, God bless you. Greet each other as you leave. Check out the digital bulletin. If you want to fill out the Connect card, I encourage you to do that. A prayer request on there. So God bless you. Oh, one other thing. So there's invite cards back there by the water bottles. So if you don't want to do the water bottle, bake a dozen cookies, put the invite card there, and take it to your neighbor or friend, okay? Be creative.